0: Welcome to Awakened and Alive After 40, a weekly podcast about stepping outside of the box and into a life that is true to who you really are. We're your hosts, Dominique
1: and Carrie, two 40-something-year-old friends and
0: coaches who are on a journey to live the second half of our lives with greater flow and ease. Our passion is to guide and support our clients in becoming their most authentic and aligned selves.
1: We love digging into a variety of topics and sharing some of our insights and
0: perspectives through our coaching lenses. We both spent the first half of our lives trying to fit into a box only to realize we were burnt out and searching for a better way to do life. We are here to remind you that it's never too late to start
1: living your best life. Let's get into today's episode.
0: As many of you are probably already aware, Carrie and I are absolute massive fans for self-awareness tools. And within our own coaching businesses, we use self-awareness tools to bring about tremendous change to people's lives. And in today's episode, I'm so excited to be sitting down with Carrie as I get to ask her some questions all about the Enneagram since that is her specialty and her coaching containers. And I'm just thrilled to learn more about it myself because I only know bits and pieces that you've shared with me, Carrie, as I've asked you just kind of my own personal questions. But I have always been so fascinated with the Enneagram even before I started my work in human design. So this is going to be really exciting. So, Carrie, thank you so much for sharing with us today the basics of the Enneagram. And so first, I want to just hear from you. How and when did you hear, first discover, or hear about the Enneagram?
1: I was a little late to the show for the Enneagram because, I mean, it's been around for quite a few years. And thanks to social media, I think it started getting a little bit more attention. And it still was not on my radar until probably around I think it was around 2018 and it's the way a lot of people first hear about it someone in their social circle sends them information and says have you heard of this take this free quiz this is so cool and interesting and so one of my friends did that and she sent it to a bunch of us like in a girls chat group and yeah that's how i first found out about it i thought it was really confusing i thought it was really interesting like everything that I read about it started linking and making more and more sense for me. So I liked how complete the system seemed. It wasn't just like some of the other personality assessments out there that seemed really lacking in depth. So that's what really drew me to it. And then as I just continued seeing more about it, I wasn't even seeking it out, but I started seeing more and more about it pop up onto my radar. Then as I made connections of the system and to myself and I started having deeper insights about myself, then I really, really wanted to start learning about it. Seriously, I started reading more and then eventually decided to become an Enneagram coach.
0: So you mentioned when you were starting to have deeper insights just of yourself, like what specifically, so what was like the aha moment if you had one? Like for me with human design, it was like that past to just simply be myself. Did you have some sort of insight like that?
1: It's funny. This is really interesting because when I think human design gives us the permission to know our true selves and become our true selves and the Enneagram is sort of like I don't know like the stepsister of that of like (laughs) here's all this crap about you that you try to hide from people and that you're really ashamed of or whatever and here's how you need to work through it because the Enneagram it really makes you be honest with yourself about who you are and it's not just pointing out the bad it points out a lot of wonderful good qualities about each of the types but it also is really grounding and realistic and it's not just always trying to paint the picture perfectly for everyone so for me something that the Enneagram showed me about myself well first of all I was not really tuned in that it was happening and secondly I didn't know everyone wasn't like this is that one of the main differentiating factors of my core type is that we have a really strong inner critic, like this voice Mm. in our head that's always telling us how we should be doing something differently or how something isn't good enough or how we're not good enough. And like it's just a constant monologue in our head that we have turned on without even really knowing it. I honestly had no... Blue, this is how I had been functioning until I became really tuned into
0: it. That's awesome, and I know what number you're talking about, and we're gonna to get to that in a moment. As far as that strong inner critic goes, and I love how you kind of compare it to the stepsister, you know, of human design. That from our conversations together that we've had so far, like I can absolutely see how that's kind of the role between it. So. For those of us out there that may not be familiar with the Enneagram, how would you explain this self-awareness tool to individuals?
1: The thing about it that really makes it unique compared to all the other systems out there, and I think all the systems have their positive qualities, and I'm not a person who thinks people should adhere to just one framework or system about self-introspection and self-awareness. Um, Even though I am an Enneagram coach and it's the system I find the most fascinating, I still find lots of benefits in learning about other aspects of my personality through other systems. So that's an important point I wanted to make. But the thing about it that I think for me was so interesting and so cool was a lot of the other personality assessments or frameworks show us oh here's your behaviors and here's how you're acting in certain situations and the enneagram says here's the motivations behind those behaviors and why you're acting this way in certain situations like what is the core thing motivating these behaviors that these other systems beautifully talk about
0: yeah like it gets to the root it it shows someone like hey there's a root cause to mm-hmm. this and you know we are all about talking you know about getting to the root of things uh especially on this podcast but that's really fascinating i love that
1: and so once you understand and know the motivation behind your own behaviors you start recognizing your behaviors and you realize i'm not my behaviors and i have the choice to continue acting in these behaviors or choosing a different behavior And so that's why it can be so empowering.
0: Absolutely. And that to me, like it's very similar to human design. And I love that you pointed out that, you know, there isn't just one right system or self-awareness tool. I am on board with you, you know, on that because... I love learning about the Enneagram with you. And then I know you and I geek out just kind of sharing our knowledge back and forth because it is so incredibly different. And as you take these bite-sized pieces from each one and you kind of make a, a system for yourself that works for you.
1: Exactly, totally. And I totally agree. And we've talked about this many times and I'm sure we've already said it on the podcast before, but human design and the Enneagram together is so interesting and powerful. Like when you layer those two systems together and you deeply understand yourself through both of those lenses. Wow. You can learn so much about
0: yourself. Yeah, it's amazing. Absolutely. Just again, like we could geek out this all day long because we've seen the changes not only within our clients, uh, within ourselves applying both systems. You know, I have applied Enneagram as I've learned through you into areas of my life and, you know, vice versa. And so that's been incredibly cool to see. And so you mentioned that the Enneagram shows you the motivations behind behaviors. So is that kind of uh, what you would define as like the ego structure then? Yeah. So
1: I think that's what the Enneagram beautifully does is it gives us language and a system around which to understand our own ego structure and to understand why do I handle conflict this way? Why do I react to disappointment in a certain way? Why do I avoid certain situations or moments in my life? It it gives us so much information about the things we
0: probably haven't questioned very much in our lives yeah absolutely and so when we kind of look at all of this as a big picture in your mind how can knowing about your enneagram help someone out within their life so What is it going to bring as far as, you know, growth or the self-awareness? How are they going to be benefited through this system? Well, like we said, the
1: number one thing is it shows you that ego structure that maybe you haven't even thought to think about. It's like if you don't even know it's part of you, you don't understand the importance of questioning it. It took me I mean, I was in my late 30s by the time I had these realizations, I all through my 20s and most of my 30s just went about life, never questioning anything about myself. Like, why was I this way? Why did I react that way? I just I sort of I didn't even question or think, oh, this is how I am. And it's set in stone. Like, it didn't even go that far in my mind. So the Enneagram helped me to sort of deconstruct that within myself. It gave me a lot more self-compassion and understanding myself at a deeper level without the judgment. Like the Enneagram is not here for people to start judging themselves. It's like, hey, we're all human. We're all messy. We all have these things we try to hide from the world and it's okay. You don't have to hide them. You can accept them and you can learn to be fine with it or you can let it go.
0: Yeah, I feel like a lot of the times we we believe we're alone in what we're experiencing Mm -hmm. in the world. And like you said, like we're all messy. (laughs) We are all going through shit (laughs) that is uncomfortable and we are doubting ourselves. And so it's great to be able to look at it as like, hey, you know, what? we're human beings and this system is going to reveal certain things to you. And I also really love that you mentioned you found this later on in your 30s. And for myself, I was in a very similar boat where up until my mid 30s, I was the one that was like, oh, well, I'm this way because this happened to me in life. Like I was if you want to call it stuck in that victim mentality, like I couldn't do anything to change my life because of these events. And it wasn't until I started, actually, I looked into the Enneagram and then I was looking into just the neuroscience behind how we have the power of changing our our thoughts and even genetics too. And so that's really, that's really neat to hear that it was also a little bit later on for you as well. So It's like, it's never too late. It really is never never too too late late to implement greater awareness through whatever system or tool or whatever it may be. So that then, like, leads me into wanting to ask you, how does someone identify their type? Is it a test? It, It is a test, right? There's a few different versions or... The tests are
1: generally about 60% accurate. So I would say the biggest piece of advice would be if you take an Enneagram test, don't assume it's accurate. The Enneagram tests, there are a lot of free ones out there. And if you're interested and have no idea about the Enneagram and you're just really curious, they're a great place to start and to just weed out the numbers that you highly likely are not. So it would be likely that you know the bottom few results on on an online assessment are mm-hmm. your type in most cases. Especially if you take a couple of different tests and it's pretty consistent that the same ones are in the bottom and that way you don't have to sift through all the information of nine different type structures um because that can be really overwhelming to people. So I would say that online assessments, especially the free ones, are a great place to start to just weed out some of the types so that you can start looking at the top types and really digging in to the information of those types and the details and sort of taking it like a journey. I'm actually in a little mini course right now about the Enneagram and One of the teachers said it's almost better to be in the space of not knowing your type because you are really open and you don't get like stuck in your head of I'm this type. So that's almost another trap we can fall into of once we know our types that we just think the work is done like, oh, I know Mm -hmm. my type. But when you're on the journey of figuring it out, you're really exploring and you take the time to sort of try on the different types. Like, oh, if I was a nine, how would I react to yeah. this? You can really think deeply about it. So I would say don't rush the process and use the free resources to narrow down what you're going to research. Um, obviously, working with an Enneagram coach, they can help you sift through that information a little more quickly than maybe you would do on your own time. And they would ask really pointed questions during a session, during a typing session, when they help you discover your type to make that process maybe a little clearer. But you definitely don't have to have an Enneagram coach to figure out your own Enneagram type. It's just I think a lot of people value their time and maybe they don't want to spend hours and hours and hours researching all the different layers of this framework and all of the different type structures and That's when you can hire someone who's trained in that to
0: to assist you. Yeah, like you said, it can be so overwhelming, especially when it was 60% accurate, you mentioned, with most of the Mm -hmm. tests, especially when that's part of it. Because I recognized that when I was doing the test because I felt like I I was getting the same numbers consistently, but it wasn't like just... The number that I was looking for. Um, I think I bounced around from like one, nine, six, and then like sometimes even eight. And th- at that point, I was just like, oh, I give up, I give up. I'm done with this. It's this too much, too overwhelming. And then yeah. of course I learned more from you. And yes, I I think that as far as with the coaching aspect of it, it is certainly really beneficial for you to, if you're someone who is really wanting to know exactly what you're working with to have that kind of handholding, I think is wonderful. And I love that because you've shared with me that you're not there to tell someone what their type is. You're there to assist them in discovering it for themselves. And I love that part of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a big piece of the Enneagram. Some people in the Enneagram world challenge it a little bit, and I can see both sides. But a big piece that most people adhere to is that we can't know someone else's type because how can I know someone else's internal motivation? People need to be really honest with themselves, though. And I think that's where this other school of thought comes in, saying that a lot of people to aren't honest with themselves and they truly don't know themselves. And so there are some cases where maybe someone on the outside understands what's happening with them better than they do. But I think that's such a case by case basis. But in general, most people say that a coach is there to help facilitate the discovery of one's type, not to tell someone what their type is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that makes complete sense to me because even when I'm doing my coaching containers, it's something where I'm not, I tell my clients, I'm not here to give you the answers. I'm here to help you discover your own answers, your truth, because no one but yourself will ever know the truth about who you are and what you need and what you desire. And I think that in my mind, when it comes to the Enneagram, if someone was to kind of, you know, take me through a process and be like, oh, you're this type, then I would probably be more likely to be like, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. You know, kind of swayed by it. Yeah. I mean, so. especially like,
1: you know, if you see someone as an expert and yeah. that you think they know more than you do about in this case, the Enneagram, you would take them at their word, even though they're not an expert on you. You are the expert of you. But it's just how honest are you willing to be about yourself and some of the things about ourselves we don't like to face or admit to other people?
0: Yeah, because it's extremely frightening for many of us. But that's what I think is so powerful about working with a coach is that You can, if you find the right one, you are given this safe, judgment-free container to really meet yourself face-to-face and Mm. have the support that is so needed when we're doing this for the first time or a few times even.
1: I worked with a business coach once, I think it was like six sessions with her, and she was Enneagram-informed and learning about human design and so just having someone who at least understands the basics of both systems was really powerful for me because sometimes you and I have discovered just in our conversations and I've realized about myself there is this push and pull between maybe what your ego structure is and how you have learned to interact with the world and you know society And on the other hand, maybe your true self is completely different from what you've been conditioned to think you need to be or what you should be. And that's where understanding both systems for me was really, really powerful. My Enneagram type happens to be a type that like thinks they need to be hardworking and doing everything Mm -hmm. and like push, 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 which is completely against my human design type, as we have talked about where I'm a projector, I'm supposed to conserve my energy and rest, which I was taught is lazy. And so, yeah, that's been quite the journey that I'm still on.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. That is wonderful. And so I want to get into like all the good stuff now. What are the most important parts to start with when someone is learning about their own Enneagram type.
1: That's where it can get really overwhelming for people, because if you look up just general Enneagram stuff online, if you're on Instagram, there's a lot of information out there, a lot of free content. But it can feel like this mass of information that doesn't connect and doesn't make any sense. And there's all these weird terms that, you know, how do they work together? And so, I think really narrowing it down and taking it just piece by piece is really key. So, first of all, don't be fixated on just trying to find your type quickly, because that is where you can maybe miss some things. So, take time, explore the potential types. We like to say, you know, try them on for size, just think. I'm a six today, or, you know, I'm a three today. And how does that feel if I'm thinking in terms of those numbers? Now, when I say that, the number one thing or the core of the system that I think is important to understand about the types that you're trying on are what we call the core motivations. And within the core motivations, there are the core fear, the core desires the core longings. And each type has distinct, different ones. So that is the foundation of each of the types. And basically, if someone is like, well, I, I identify with this of, you know, type five, but I identify with this of type nine, and all of these different things, it's like, well, which of the core motivations mm-hmm. are the ones that you truly feel to be true for you? because that is the heart of the system, I would say.
0: Interesting. And so that makes me wonder, as someone is working through their self-discovery journey, can they change numbers then? Like if it just doesn't feel, say like I started with um, being a nine and then I start to shed a lot of the conditioning, does that change my number then that I would identify? with So within the... Enneagram world all the experts
1: say your number is your number for your life Mm. and it doesn't change because they say your number gets solidified around age eight but that you really can't be typed until around age 15 because you have to be really self-aware and honest if you have a really deep self-aware kid maybe you could do it earlier but let's for argument's sake say by age eight your type is solidified. The experts out there say that your motivations aren't going to change, like your core motivation. This isn't just like your motivation of like, do I want to get out of bed today? What do I feel like eating? What workout do I want to do? It's like, what is the thing that you don't even know? The internal thing guiding so much of what you've decided throughout your life, the paths you've decided to take, you know? Are you a person who had a huge fear of failing? Are you a person who had a huge fear of being discontent and feeling stuck or suffocated? Are you a person who had a fear of fear and you just didn't ever want to be fearful? Like these are the motivations Mm -hmm. we're talking about. These things, it is said that they don't change and that that is why your number doesn't change. I am a person who doesn't like any kind of definite (laughs) set in stone type of teachings. So from what I have seen, numbers seem to stay the same. But I'm not going to say that I definitively believe that because I'm sure there are so many variations of human beings out there. There could be some examples of people who have had their numbers change. It's just definitely not common. And it's not something that the Enneagram world says happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I love that honesty with it. And so in the past, I've talked to you a little bit about Yeah, healthy versus unhealthy. And you can explain a little bit more, but would that maybe be the ways in which the number shifts then? Yes, exactly. So
1: that's the thing, like people who sort of push against these types of systems and they're like, I don't want to be put in a box and I'm complicated. Mm -hmm. That is why the Enneagram is so cool Mm -hmm. because it is the most complicated personality type structure I've come across, but it can be really confusing for people because you have your core type, but that doesn't mean you look like someone else who has that core type. You can look like completely different personalities. You might be motivated by the same thing, but that motivation comes out in different ways based on your upbringing, your culture, your gender, your sexuality, your ethnicity. All of these Mm -hmm. things play a factor in how your type displays itself to the world. And then what you were talking about is another layer of the system, mm-hmm. which is called arrows, is generally what it's referred to. But people have stress paths and growth paths, depending uh. on what your core type is. So for example, Dominique, you are core type nine. When nines are really stressed out, they can take on Characteristics and traits of type six. So sometimes, if people are in a really stressful season of life and that's when they decide to discover their Enneagram type, they can think their core type is their stress path type. Okay. So it can get really, really confusing. And that's why the online assessments, a lot of times they say the top couple of results could be your stress path. Wow. Most of us are really stressed out. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: that's for sure it can
1: be really tricky to figure all that out so there's the growth and stress paths depending on where you're at in your life there's also the wings which is the number on either side of your number Mm -hmm. in the enneagram symbol and people can have traits or poles of one wing or the other there's a layer once you get deeper into the enneagram where you figure out your instinctual variance which is sometimes referred to as subtypes and that is really complicated mm-hmm. and the part of the system where i am still learning so much because it's, a lot of yeah. new information and research is coming out about this area mm-hmm. and then another newer model or theory within the system is something called tri types which is really interesting where we each actually have three numbers one number in each of the centers of intelligence mm-hmm. so we each have a body based number a heart-based number and a head-based number. And depending which center you are acting from or accessing in that moment, you
0: might show up more as one number or the other. Okay, I just got chills because you know how much I love (laughs) mind-body-soul connection. Wow, like that whole part really speaks to me and sounds incredibly fascinating. Yeah, so just a lot of moving parts. Yeah, and I mean, I
1: think... In the social media world, it was like kind of trendy to figure out your type as kind of I don't want to like make it sound in a negative way, but kind of like a party trick. Like if it comes up, I can say, oh, yeah, I'm this type. And then a lot of people, I think, figured out their type. It may or may not be accurate. And then that's it. (laughs) Then maybe they see a few posts on Instagram about that type and they're like, yeah, that's just like me. And they don't do anything beyond that that's fine. Like if someone's not motivated to do more with it, then who am I to tell them they should? But it is such a deep and rich system that can offer so much insight, not only into yourself, but into other people, you know, and to understanding, wow, not everyone functions or comes from the same place I do in different situations.
0: Yeah, we've so talked true. before,
1: like when my sister was on the podcast, she and I are different Enneagram types and she understands the system very well. And so she understands my type really well. And I think she's probably the only person in my life who like truly understands me from that perspective, which is really freeing because wow. she's has so much grace towards me and vice yeah. versa.
0: That's the beautiful thing about a lot of these uh, systems. And, you know, again, I can only speak specifically from our lenses here of the Enneagram and human design, but it creates so much understanding between, you know, yourself and others and the compassion, the acceptance, and it shows that you always have choice. You get to choose how you want to respond versus react in situations when you have this greater awareness of who you are and what your motivations are and what your triggers may be coming from at that deeper level. And and that's one of the big things in the Enneagram
1: that is taught. And I'm sure a lot of systems teach this, like you find out your type and the details of it. It isn't there to serve as an excuse for poor behavior or for the way you react to things. It's there to show you, okay, this might have been your type structure and how you have always done it without thinking, but now you're aware. Now you've been shown, this is how you've done it. That doesn't mean you always have to do it that way. Yeah,
0: for sure. And so there's nine types, and Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's any way you could do like a quick breakdown of the, you know, basic of each type is that possible
1: i could try some of the people you know teachers out there have given different names to each of the types i try to avoid the names in my own coaching Because sometimes people get a little too attached to the name because maybe one name has like a positive connotation and another name is like, oh, I don't want to be that. And so I try not to generalize them in that way.
0: Yeah, you have to have like a name for it. But I think that's a great point right there is don't label yourself with this name, like almost like, yes, I'm a projector, but I am a woman. I am a human being. Like that Mm -hmm. is not my label.
1: It's cool that the system labels them with numbers because numbers are so neutral. I mean, they could have used colors. They could have used letters. They could have used anything, but
0: yeah, that's um, true. That is true. The numbers.
1: There are the nine types around the Enneagram figure, type one tends to be someone who is really idealistic, thinks, you know, the world could be improved in so many ways. They may have perfectionistic tendencies. They think their way is generally the right way to do things. And it's really hard for them to let go of that and to allow for other ways of doing things.
0: Does that sound familiar to you? <laughs> that, that's your type, right? <laughs>
1: It does. (laughs) Yes, it is my type. Type 2 tends to be someone who wants to serve other people, wants to be very helpful, wants to feel appreciated and needed by others, really wants to have other people point out how needed they are, how helpful they have been. Type 2 can be a huge mistype for a lot of Christian women because it's Mm. how especially in the white culture. It's how Christian women are taught they should be. yeah Very selfless and helpful and serving. Type three tends to be very ambitious, very success and goal-driven, wants to be the best at everything they do, very competitive. Type four tends to be very introspective, very in touch with their range of emotions. Um, They don't try to paint just a rosy picture. They accept all of the emotions. Sometimes they can feel like no one understands them or they don't really fit in to the world because they're so different from everyone else. Type fives tend to be very intellectual, very focused on things they are passionate about learning, they learn them very deeply. They can be very research oriented. They can be known behaviorally as being a little bit more introverted, but Enneagram is not really about outward behavior, so there could for sure be extroverted type fives. But in general, they may look a little bit more bookish and they are very studious. Type sixes tend to be very team-oriented. They love feeling supported by a team, especially if it's a team they really respect and can collaborate well with. They are incredibly loyal people. People see them as a little bit negative because they tend to plan for worst-case scenarios because they are so analytical. They plan ahead for all the possibilities of what could happen and go wrong for most situations, and that just helps them feel really prepared and helps them feel more grounded type sevens tend to be super positive. The life of the party, people who are really behaviorally speaking can look very extroverted. They are the people who, you know, may really try to avoid feeling negative feelings and emotions. It's really uncomfortable for them in general. They are like the positive vibes only kind of personality. Type eights tend to have a very intense energy. They tend to really value strength and independence and stand on your own two feet kind of ideas. They really guard themselves against feeling vulnerable. They don't want to feel any sense of vulnerability or weakness in themselves. And they really don't like seeing that in other people as well. But they can be really, really protective figures. If they do sense there's an injustice happening, they will step up using their own strength to protect who they feel is being unjustly hurt or acted upon. And then nine, the last type, tend to be peace seekers. They just love feeling at peace internally. Externally, they really don't like any kind of discomfort or They don't like any kind of conflict in their life. It makes them very uncomfortable. And so a lot of times they try to avoid conflict by just not even inserting their own opinions and going with the flow. They don't want to rock the boat. And this can sometimes get them into trouble because they may lose their sense of self and who they are because they've just adapted to those people around them for so long in order
0: to keep the peace. Yeah. And... I can say that definitely resonates with me because I know that I am very much more of that type nine and that's been really cool to learn about um, through our conversations to learn more about that. And then again, just to kind of see how that's shown up in my life over the years and how so much of my identity was lacking, my self-worth was lacking because of partially with me being a very good people pleaser and trying to avoid conflict at all costs. Because if there was chaos in my world, I would not be able to handle all the energy that was being held within me. And it's really cool to kind of see how that plays out within the conditioning that I've worked through in uh, the past few years with my self-discovery. That's awesome. Thank you for providing that quick brief rundown. I know there's so much more involved with each of the types, but I think it's great just to kind of have a little taste for our listeners to hear more about. And so if someone was interested in learning more about their Enneagram type, are there a few different tests? Yeah, just googling
1: free Enneagram assessment. The free ones, I wouldn't say one is better than the other there are some paid ones out there that just have a little more depth to them. And if you decide to have a typing session with an Enneagram coach, a lot of coaches will send you a link for an assessment just so that, especially if they don't know you, it's a way for them to just sort of weed out, like I was saying, some of the things not to focus on. I do my typing sessions that way. So I do send a link that's a paid link, but I pay for it to my clients to take this assessment and it's pretty rigorous. It takes about 45 minutes and you can't break it up and they say you should really do it in one sitting and that you shouldn't confer with other people. Like when you're taking it, you really need to just think about yourself. And obviously we all have changed throughout our lives. So the cue I always give my clients is when you're taking any of these assessments, whether it's a free one or not. It's best to think, how have I been most of the time for most of my life? If you're in a place of major transformation and growth, then some of your answers might end up being a little different than how you would have answered in your 20s. So think, how have I been for most of the time, for most of my life? And if you're really struggling, you know, if you have two different choices and it's which one is more true to you, then I say just go with your gut instinct. Whatever one was the first instinct that you identified with. And a lot of the assessments make it really tricky. And sometimes people are like, I didn't identify with either of the things presented to me for a lot of the questions, or I strongly identified with both of them. And that's the whole point Mm. of the assessment is to really make you keep digging down and really determine if these were the only two choices left, which one would I choose? And it might not be either one is the ideal choice.
0: Yeah, I think that is a great point to make as anybody is venturing into the world of the Enneagram and taking the test for the first time. Because again, like I was super frustrated in the beginning. And had I known that at that time, I know that would have been really helpful. So great point right there and of course we will certainly leave carrie's information in the show notes so if you happen to even already know your enneagram type and want to seek a little bit more of her knowledge certainly reach out to her or if you want to just cut to the chase and certainly just have someone walk you through the process of first discovering your Enneagram type, then again, reaching out to Carrie. But thank you so much for sharing this beautiful look into the Enneagram world and really giving us a taste of what the basics would look like. And I know we're going to be sharing so much more over our time on this podcast, diving deeper into not only the Enneagram system, but the human design system and going at those deeper levels besides just the basics. This was wonderful, Carrie. And I always learn something new from you every time we talk about the Enneagram. And so I know I've got some things that I'm gonna be keeping in the back of my mind now. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider sharing it with friends and or family.
1: We'd be incredibly grateful if you rated and reviewed the podcast on your preferred listening platform as it really helps.
0: If you'd like to reach out to us, you can connect with us through our websites or Instagram, which are all linked in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. Our theme song was written by Michael Ahrens.